0: marking himself what ancient warriors would mark themselves with the blood of their kill it's a rite of passage
1: welcome to the three men and a retrospective podcast predator mini retrospective I'm ready in the lead-up to this year's Hulu release, Prey, arriving August 5th, Adam,
0: I taught this little slut everything she knows.
1: Matt, Turn back! It's a trap! And Garrett,
0: Are you looking at me? Or the clock?
1: We'll review both Alien vs. Predator films.
0: Why do you want to hunt? Because you all think that I can't.
1: Where did the ABP concept come from?
0: Okay, now take your time.
1: And can Prey finally be the Predator prequel fans of the franchise have been waiting for?
0: What did you say this room was called? Sacrificial chamber.
1: All this coming up, courtesy of Percolated Media.
0: It's time.
2: Prey, release August 5th, 2022. I don't have a box office. I don't have any budget numbers. I don't have any of that because none of that's been released because this is being released on hulu and this straight to streaming movie is being directed by dan Trachtenberg. all right boys it's here there was one movie i was really looking forward to reviewing in our new venture and leading up to something that's new and leading up to something that's fresh and leading up to something that is a part of me and adam's childhood this would be it that i was really looking forward to seeing this movie especially when i heard all the buzz uh we've talked about the lead up quite a bit but matt let me go to you you obviously had seen a lot of the buzz the positive buzz going around this before you
3: turned it on right it was hard not to because it premiered at i don't know what festival or or... comic-con oh it was comic-con oh yeah that's right so it, it was difficult to avoid any of the the hyperbole that was coming out around the time that this was getting set for streaming. For me, when I heard all of it, I still remained highly skeptical because my feeling was not having read any of the, the lengthy reviews or any of the people who had seen it. I looked at it as my interpretation being they're just judging it in a vacuum based on the previous movies. And in that sense, if they made anything of quality, I think it's going to be somewhat elevated more because the last few movies, AVP included, have been so bad, for lack of a better word, that anything of quality would get a little bit more of an endorsement. But the the fact that this was so un, almost unanimous across the board outside of the obvious people who are against quote-unquote woke cinema, which we will talk about, I'm sure, extensively as it pertains to the context of this film, those people aside, anyone I saw mention of gave high praise to this. But from my viewpoint, I'd be lying if I said I was excited. I thought the fact that this was going direct to streaming it's a bit of a calling card, especially based on some stuff that the Mouse House and their assets have chosen to release in theaters, being of their perceived quality. <laughs> Lightyear, excuse me. <laughs> I was I was not hopeful, despite all all the all the glowing praise. Wow, I was not
2: expecting that. Actually, I, I would have thought that the positive buzz would have kind of gotten to you and gotten you kind of excited i I know it got me a little more excited than i was originally hoping i mean i used to be part of that crowd you know i used to be part of the crowd that would see these movies weeks in advance and be like oh my god it was amazing but i couldn't really say too much adam as the major i guess we could call him fanboy of this series at least well the predator series not the two movies that we reviewed previous weeks you must have heard the buzz what were you feeling going in
1: I was happy to have another Predator movie out, uh, like we discussed before. With it going straight to streaming, that was kind of strike one. So learning a little bit that it was almost just a middle finger decision, because even if it had a limited, you know, just special theater screening, HBO had first right to stream. So it was one of those reasons that Disney was just like, fuck it, we're not even going to let him have it on HBO Max, So we're just going to eat the whole thing. But I, I was excited. The trailer didn't wow me. I know it wowed a lot of people. In a different time frame, it was kind of like taking Jason and putting it in space. You know, sometimes just doing a, a time jump or time fall back is just a crutch. And seeing people get excited. You know what? James Cameron comes out and says every Terminator movie is the best Terminator since T2. So, <laughs> you know, um, seeing some of the stuff that gets put out there, I don't know. I just I didn't have a whole lot of hope. Even seeing people start to really praise this thing. I, you know, I wanted to see it. I wanted to hope that it was good. I prayed that it was good. Ha ha. But I can't say that I was extremely excited. You know, if it wasn't for us sitting down doing this, I don't think I would have bothered to see it this first weekend. Even on streaming, I would have found something else to watch. It just, nothing grabbed me and made this a destination watch, even in my own home.
2: Man, Debbie Downer's here. I know it. Uh- <laughs> If you made us watch, we have every reason to be (laughs) scared. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And that's what's
1: me wanting a Predator.
2: Wait a minute. You said at the end of, I don't know if it was the last podcast or the podcast before, that if this movie is even up to Predator 2 levels, you're going to give it a positive score. So I'm going to assume that it reached that plateau. You know, (laughs) honestly, all joking aside, I was kind of like you guys going in. And then that prey panel is, from Comic-Con, is on YouTube, and I watched the entire thing. They had the director, they had the female lead, they had the guy who plays, I'm assuming it's her brother. I don't know exactly who. uh, Okay. And they had the guy who played the Predator, and they had one of the main producers who was also a Comanche herself. So it, it was a very interesting panel, actually. I recommend people check it out. And I will say, you know, just watching that panel and watching the reaction of people there, it it got me kind of interested, i got to say. Although, it did leave a little bit of a weird taste in my mouth. Like, okay, is this going for a good story, or is this going for an empowerment film?
1: So this producer that was in, and I think she's been probably the person I've seen in the behind-the-scenes material. Mm-hmm. Great to see, especially nice to see female producers leading something like this. So she was happy with the Comanche, like – cast and presence and everything else in the way that they delivered it in this film like she was that's what she was excited for
2: oh my god she had nothing but praise for everybody on that panel
1: does she know where the Comanche were actually in in this country then <laughs> since this movie doesn't
2: since so this movie's based in Calgary. <laughs> we're gonna get into it yeah we're definitely gonna get into that you mean it's not based on Calgary Alberta Canada which is where this was filmed
1: not even in the great northern plains <laughs> which is hundreds of miles from where Comanche was um, yeah. yeah okay yeah, They don't know the difference between Northern and Southern Plains.
2: Listening to Trachtenberg talk, he also mentioned that his main influence in taking the project was Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road, which is a movie we might get to someday. He, I could see that. I yeah. could see that with this. And he also wanted to make... Uh, predator, an underdog story again. But I, I do recommend that. They do share some stories. There's a fight between the male lead and the Predator in this, and they kind of talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, some interesting stories in that. But yeah, just watching that, it
3: kind of got me a little bit excited. I will say that. <laughs> I don't watch those Comic-Con panels, to be perfectly honest. There was a movie that came out, which we'll be talking about very soon, that was the my backlash point against all these, all these panels, because so much of it is just talking out of your ass. But sometimes you know when a project is DOA, but you still have to go out there and sell it. And the, the people that they have out there oftentimes, they don't look like they could care any less. It's just sometimes it's frustrating to watch. True. But as somebody who's been a part
2: of Press Junkets, you know, you can say the same thing about those as well. They are there to sell the film. That is their job and comic-con has turned into and this is you know this is 10 years in the making at least it's gone from being you know a place where you could see a bunch of comics and a few things about movies to a whole hell of a lot of stuff about movies oh, and, oh yeah there's a uh, <laughs> there's a comic table over there it, yeah and so it's all about the commercialism and marvel rules it disney pretty much rules the entire fucking thing it is just covered with commercialism but at the same time hearing the genuine stories that came from them all right so that is the lead up boys what do you say we jump into what we have heard being called the second best predator movie after the first some people have, even said, the best. Some people have said the best you're absolutely right well immediately we hear that it, this takes place 300 years in the past first of all right off the bat how do you guys feel about that how do you guys feel about this being a quote-unquote prequel to what we've seen previous
1: i don't hate it you give yourself some freedom uh, you don't have to worry about what came afterward. You are able to, you know, put a few extra spikes in as long as you're not going to deviate too far. So it, it gives you some creative freedom that way as opposed to putting a direct sequel um, or even a far-flung sequel where you got to deal with some of the things that have already came before. Unless you're doing the reboot like we've seen so many movies do. I mean, they could have went the route of saying, okay, Predator 1, Predator 2, and fuck all the rest. You know, go the Halloween route. Um, but it's—I found it at least an intriguing way to go ahead and go about this.
3: I had no resistance to this idea. If anything, this was the one thing I was excited about because doing—I guess this is kind of a horror film. It's got horror roots, like like the trees that you see in a lot of the photography. There's not a lot of horror period pieces anymore that go this far back. I think the last one I remember was like The Witch, and that was like five, six years ago. At this point, mm-hmm. as far stuff of quality. So I'm always going to champion this, but at the same time, it made me curious as to would the technology that the Predator possesses, because we, you know, it's a Predator movie, how far advanced would that be? Because the more advanced his tech is, the less I would buy someone of this era being able to not just kill a Predator, but hold their own so i was just mm-hmm. curious how everything was going to be how the playing field
2: was going to be leveled ah the ewok approach they're they're primitive and they're going against high tech machinery <laughs> another thing we'll be talking about in the very near
3: future. Before I go any it's further... Bouncy, fur, fur away, <laughs> which is 2028.
0: <laughs>
2: Before I go any further, boys, let me, let me ask, which version did you guys watch? Did you guys watch the English dub version or did you, and the Comanche version? Did you guys watch the Comanche version? Which, which one
3: did you guys do? Just watch the English version. I wanted to watch the Comanche version because I believed it was a full... I thought when they shot the movie, they did two takes, one in English, mm-hmm. one in Comanche. When I read it, it was a dub. I'm like, I'm not going to bother.
1: I The exact same as Matt. Um, Learning that they just went in and ADR'd it made me hesitant. I'm going to watch it. I was hoping to get the Comanche watching, actually, before we did this. I didn't get a chance to, but I'm going to, at some point, go ahead and take that in as well.
2: Yeah, I had, like Matt, I had every intention of doing it, because as people know, I do watch every version of these movies before we start recording, usually. But uh, in this case, you know, as the guys on this podcast know, I've had a pretty trying week and i literally finished my second viewing of this with notes about five minutes before we push record on this podcast so i did not get a chance to watch it but like adam i do have every intention to although i didn't realize that uh, it was dubbed like matt said i thought maybe they did two takes as well so that's a little bit of a deterrent because i don't like watching dubbed anything honestly i mean i don't mind subtitles i can watch subtitles all day but when it comes to dubbing like the emotion's gone All right, so the question remains, boys. So we know why, you know, in talking about those Alien vs. Predator films, we know why the Predators were on Antarctica when we went to that, when we saw that first Alien vs. Predator film. Do we have any answer given as to why the Predator comes here?
3: None that I know of. Not to my knowledge, but I'm glad because I don't need that explained. There's just certain, certain routes that don't need to be explored. I think in the case of a Predator in particular, why they came to Earth, whenever they tried to explain it in AVP, because that's the the tie-in for this particular retro, I thought it was absurd and just unnecessary. All it needs to be is that they're game hunters, which is what the first movie did. Yeah. That's what Predators predators did. I think that's all we need. Because I treat the Predator like a slasher villain. Uh, The less I know the more compelled I am.
1: Yep. I agree. To go, to go back to a recent review that we all went through, something like Phone. sometimes the less you know, the better. And when you're given every explanation, it takes away some of the things that you can do in your mind to make a movie better.
2: Yeah, and that's a good point, boys. You know, In thinking about it, we don't know why he came to Earth in that first movie. We don't know why he went to L.A. in the second film. It is true that the less you know, the better. It was just kind of weird to me that we're taking we're having this take place 300 years in the past, and this is where he came. Especially
1: since part of it was sold on Predator's first time coming to Earth. Yeah. Which also then, does that mean that AVP never happened? I don't
3: they think, did,
1: I they don't didn't think those are
3: considered canon. They're, yeah. they're, they're one-offs. They're, they're offshoots. And it's also not the first time they came to Earth in this movie based on something that happens at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yep. So, like a lot of things, the marketing is bullshit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So we're hearing voiceover saying that a monster came here years ago, 300 years ago to be exact. But do you know why I don't like this voiceover, guys?
3: Because it reminds me of New Mutants when she starts (laughs) talking about two bears. (laughs) I was trying to
2: get that out of my mind, but you guys just keep fucking uh, drilling in my head. We already know that she's going to live now. You know, yeah. that's, the, that's the big thing about these voiceovers That I hate And filmmakers just don't get it Like if you're having this character be here And you, this is a quote unquote prequel You know I would think that maybe we're going to see A movie where the Predator succeeds Or something like mm. Something in that vein But now where you know right away this chick's going to live
3: But she said 300 years ago That makes it sound like it's an ancestor Telling the story That's a good point too But it's yeah. the same chick So Yeah and it's There's very few movies that I can think of that successfully utilize the narrative trick of having a dead person be the narrator. Like Sunset Boulevard is a big one. Oh, yeah. Uh, American Beauty does it. Maybe there's a couple more. So I I didn't view that as a detriment, but I I understand your point.
2: Now, I want to say something else right off the bat. Uh, Like a lot of things about this movie, I heard lots of praise for not only the film itself, but its score. Now, Matt and Adam, they both know that I love scores and movies, and part of the joy I get out of doing this podcast is getting to listen to them over and over in order to get the perfect music for intros and outros that I do for this podcast. There's a reason none of this music is in neither the intro or outro of this podcast. This music sucks.
3: Yeah, your favorite score is a four on ten. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: because much like you mutants, i got to crowbar that into every discussion you have. <laughs> I found this score to be distracting and i use that term loosely yeah i didn't want excessive fanfare or a a synthesizer score to this because it would not have fit but because of how stripped down a lot of this movie is not just in technology but the the plot is as straightforward as it's ever been with this franchise
0: Uh, and
3: since the movie's really about nature to a certain component And using your resources, I would have been fine if there was no music at all. Yeah. Or or very minimal. And if you had to use it, it's just instruments that the Comanches would have used. Maybe some drums Mm. and, and things of that nature that would have been accessible at the time. But because they're using stuff that, you know, is much later than this, I found it very off putting. And I think it's one of. One of my only major critiques I can make of this as a movie is that it feels like the movie was not shot, not written with compositions in mind. You know, it's sort of the opposite of the John Williams approach to the point where they just gave it to somebody. Who said, it almost feels like they said, we need music because movies have music. So come up with something.
1: Yeah, I can't say that I loved it, but it didn't really detract from me either. I really like Matt's idea there of getting some some music, some period you know specific some some drums some chant something like that that would be that would be appropriate for for the characters that you're selling us on i think that would have been a powerful way to go about it
2: so we're seeing our lead naru get some training in by throwing an axe at a tree and this is when we get our first look at our lead actress played by amber Midthunder. you know i, I well let me get your guys' thoughts first what do you guys think about our our lead actress in this <laughs> okay
1: I know that she was in Legion, I think, for a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. And I think she also did the Roswell show. I didn't feel that the majority of this cast had ever acted before. I felt like they were cast for the ethnicities they wanted to film, but I didn't get a sense of anybody bringing a quality performance that they would have won an acting gig, if that makes sense.
0: hmm
1: She grows on me, but I don't get a powerful performance from anybody on the call sheet.
3: Adam hit the bullseye on the proverbial tree as far as matching my thoughts. I thought this was something that was done for the reasons, but they're they're perfectly valid reasons. Mm -hmm. Diversity is great, but you've got to get... It doesn't mean anything if you don't have people with screen presence. And I'm not going to put this all on the actors because I, I do think one of the problems that they have is so much of this dialogue is Americanized to a fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they actually speak to each other, basically the Stephen King bullies of this tribe, uh, they keep giving her shit because she's a woman and you know, it's not her place. I found all of the harassing could have come out of like a horror movie from the 90s, the way they pick on her. It doesn't feel consistent with the time period that they're they're depicting. And I really think the fact that they shot this in English, with as much dialogue as they do, is kind of a detriment to the movie. I think so much of the power of this movie, when it works, comes from when it's silent Mm -hmm. and just you're, you're seeing things through their eyes. No one's talking to each other. It's storytelling through action. I think that's the movie's strength. Whenever the characters talk to each other, it's the mom saying negative cliched stuff, and it's... The other tribespeople being just straight out, like I said, out of a 90s horror film. So I'm not going to fault the actors entirely. I do think this, the lead is the strongest person by far. But I kind of wish they got someone with a little bit more, a um, little bit more oomph to her.
2: I found her eyes to be extremely distracting. They're
3: big, big
2: big brown eyes and there are times when she's looking at the predator in awe. later portions of the film where I'm like oh my god like I went to Jen I'm like Jesus those eyes are huge I'm like you guys I think she's fine Um, she's not the weak link by far we're going to get to the weak link here real quick but I, I, I do find the fact that she was cast for diversity reasons to be a very good asset for the film but also a detriment because of the people who surround her which is pretty much what you guys just said so she starts running after her horse, and she hears her dog that's whining. And then we see that the dog has literally run into a trap. Now, Roo looks up and sees a massive ship starting to land. And then we're meeting Tabla? Is that his name? Tabla?
1: Dakota. So, his name is his name is Dakota, and I know he's done some other things. No, he but, has yeah. not.
2: This is his very first film. Oh, is no, it? It is his very first film, yes.
0: Oh, shit. We're, meeting,
2: we're meeting her brother, played by newcomer Dakota Beavers, As he's shooting hawks out of the sky with his bow and arrow. And she tells him about a Thunderbird sign that she saw fall from the sky. And then her brother asks her if she's ready to hunt something that hunts her. And I'm going to say right now, this character is the major weak point of this movie for me. He's terrible.
1: He is not good. (laughs) He's really not. But it also, do you support your sister or do you not? uh you know it's it's clear that you know she's going to come through yeah she's going to end up hunting the predator there's no surprise there but she also from the beginning isn't good at any of the things that she wants to be good at so her brother's right it's the whole oh you're too scared to do this well she is too scared to do it time and time and time again through 75% of the movie but yeah what he's trying to deliver and bring out it doesn't sell what they think it's trying to sell—it's—it's it's kind of a shame. But to your point, if they kept the dialogue really, really minimalized, and it was just them, you know, communicating—maybe through through signs of hand, through pointing, mm-hmm. through you know that kind of—you know—maybe the way that we saw the soldiers in Predator give hand signals to move through the the jungle, using that same type of type of Comanche signals and things like that to hunt silently. You could have a movie that's got all of like twenty lines of dialogue and I think it would work so much better.
3: Unfortunately, I do agree that he is the he he's the weak link of this cast, not that there's a lot of chains to pick from. But Adam's right that part of my my underlying issue is that while I appreciate she is not she's not a Mary Sue by any means, so anyone who says that needs to shut the fuck up. Oh yeah and stop using that term if you don't know what it means. hmm But they, they demonstrate enough that she she's competent, because we can see that she knows how to hunt, she knows how to track. So she's not this ignorant, completely out of her element person. But I think in order for her to get to the, the climax of this movie, and, and some of the stuff she does, I do think extends into a little bit over the top. It feels more cinematic than than anything else with some of the stuff that she does towards the end. But this initial setup, something that I was disappointed by because you can telegraph her arc a mile away as far as what this... Unfortunately, there's not a lot of surprises
0: Mm -hmm.
3: with the movie being as stripped down as it is. I also resist her seeing the Predator ship because what what really works about the first Predator movie, and I'm not going to compare it too much because this is very much its own thing also, except when it's not, which we'll talk about, is that those guys have no idea yeah. they're in a slasher movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
3: it starts off as the, to quote Red Letter Media, it is the movie that your dad rented because he thought it was Commando. <laughs> 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 oh, fuck yeah. So that's how that movie starts. It is, it is the most over-the-top action, and, and then it, then f- it pivots it brilliantly it into being a slasher movie. By her seeing the ship yeah, we. she doesn't know what's in it, but the the real surprise element is taken away, and so much of the build-up to the Predator doesn't work because we know what it is, and she knows what it is.
1: I, w- I would have liked to have seen her be successful in some of the things that everybody's telling her she can't do. You know, and they're doing a hunt, I would have liked to see, you know, all the men are out doing their thing. They don't think that she can, you know, meet up with them. I would have liked to have seen her return and have a dinner that she had killed and brought back to the tribe. You know, something Something that shows that, yes, I am doing this all along. It's just delayed gratification to see that she's as badass as we know she's going to be by the final frames.
0: Anyone
2: else get a Ray Palpatine vibe from her?
1: No, because I actually like her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like, I, I got what? a Sigourney Weaver stand-in from what they're trying to make uh, yeah. Ripley instead of... Mm-hmm.
2: We're seeing Naru make some weapons, and she's asked why she wants to hunt. Her response, because everyone thinks that she can't. Yeah, and and the reason why I mentioned Ray Palpatine is because she's very strong, and the drama in this movie is her learning how to both harness and unleash the power that she has. To me, that doesn't make a good character, and that's my main issue with the characterization that they're going with here. So we see the Predator ship land, and out he comes, camouflage clicking and all. The Comanches people, they're they are on the hunt, and we're once again hearing the clicking of the Predator as people bring up their bows and arrows. We see a bug get eaten by a rat, and a rat get eaten by a snake as the Predator comes and just takes the snake apart. That was actually a pretty cool sequence. I dug that sequence quite a bit.
1: I was cool. not
3: expecting that. Yeah. yeah. This was very cool, and I like that the, the title sort of has a double meaning because we're seeing the food chain in action at multiple points in this movie. But... They really should have done a better rendering on these CGI images. Okay. Anytime anytime they show up, because most of the movie is so practical, and the predator himself outside of the cloaking is practical. It's a guy in a suit, which I always appreciate. These animals give me the uncanny valley syndrome, where they look fine until they start to move. Once they move... And they're no longer, you know, still images juxtaposed in the camera. They look so artificial, Mm -hmm. and it takes me out every time. Yeah, and that was my very next note, Matt, was the the
2: huge criticism I have with this movie. It's seen here, and frankly, it doesn't go away the entire film. The CGI in this movie is really, really bad. Uh, I do
1: think that is one of the things that also propagated their move to not, you know, throw another couple tens of millions to Mm -hmm. finish it for theaters. Because it's one thing to sit at home, you know, and see a movie. If you notice that kind of stuff at home, just imagine on a big screen what it would have taken. You know, it's the Batgirl syndrome of how many more millions are we going to throw into a movie to get it theater ready? You're not going to do it.
3: Yeah. You know, I, I, look, I'd rather that than, you know, something yes. we're going to talk about very soon with Justice League.
1: But but I'll say I, what I kind of liked here is we see we see an evolution of the Predator You know, we talked about the food chain but also him moving up his prey chain, for lack of a better term, where the first thing he does is rip out the spine of the snake.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that's the first one that he gets. That's his first trophy.
2: That's a good point. Yeah,
1: found it kind of weird. I don't know how he managed to skewer to that thing without slicing it all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I went after that snake jumping at my face like it was a 3D effect, I thought it was kind of cool. You know, at least we saw the we're getting spine ripping, you know, 10 minutes in.
2: They find another Comanche as she rescues him and now Rouge. She questions why this guy is still alive. And then, but now she comes to the conclusion that the cold is actually good for the wounds that he has suffered. So you know, she's starting to put things together. And that is one thing I do kind of like about this film is every experience that she has is what helps her in the final battle that she has.
3: Yeah, I like that. And they also they'll mirror some stuff that she does and they'll cross-reference it with something that the Predator does. Yeah, 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 point I think while I have issues with the dialogue and sort of the the straightforwardness to a fault of your act, first act, setting up your third act, I think all the steps they get there are are very well expanded upon, and it's it's effective narrative storytelling, which is more more than I could say for basically every single Predator movie other than the first one.
2: More hunting ensues as they're all in a game of cat and mouse. Nauru she comes back and says that she has found tracks and it was no bear judging by how it killed the snake. But what they're saying is that Naru's just too scared to hunt. And now we're seeing a fight with a tiger, and after defeating him, Naru is convinced that there's just something else, because this tiger is not what could have done that to that snake.
1: This would have been a really cool thing, you know, to see if I could see it.
2: Uh oh, we're getting that argument again, huh? We're getting that complaint.
1: Holy crap, I thought we suddenly got the DP from AVPR to film this shit at (laughs) night. I understand when you want to do the. Because I'm an artist, I want to use natural light. In my movie. Well, guess what? As an audience member, I want to see the fucking movie that I'm watching.
2: Well, to be fair, and the, I. I can't, yeah, the, to be fair, the majority of the time, what they do is they film it during the day and they just filter the film.
3: Which makes it look worse. Yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, yeah, when they darken it up with blues and grays. But mm-hmm. I mean, so much of this, I just, I can't see who. And because these characters are ill defined, other than Aru and her brother, you know, you don't have individual caricatures like we get in Predator or even Predators. It's just red shirts, you know, galore out here. And I can't see or tell what the fuck is going on. And that is irritating the shit out of me.
3: To to a point, part of it was combined with the puma or this mountain lion just looking so so fake. It, yeah. This looks like in Far Cry 3 on my PlayStation 3. <laughs> 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 like it, it is, I had expected like quick time events to show up where she jumps out of the way. <laughs> but I do like that she does not kill the, the, the lion. The brother does it. She gets knocked out. But I thought this was going to set up a twist that the predator actually killed the lion and the brother is just taking credit for it. I did too.
2: We get an overhead shot and some establishing shots of the landscape. So Trachtenberg is trying to do his best McTiernan impression here. You know, one thing I always said that was really good about the way McTiernan directed both Predator and Die Hard was we always knew where we were. You know, no matter where we were, whether we were in the jungle or we were in a 40-story building, we always knew where we stood. And Jack Number's trying that here, although I'm not sure if he really does it with these Canadian landscapes that he's filming here.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, they they told us we're in the Great Northern Plains. Yeah. (laughs) With a tribe of natives that were down in New Mexico and Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I do like these vista shots. I think they're pretty. I think they're very nicely done. I love this lighting. When we get this, the big, wide-open vistas and stuff, it looks really nice. It does. You know, way to go. You can... You know, you got an expensive drone to take some kick-ass shots.
3: I, I don't harbor the the anger that Adam does. <laughs> with, 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 <laughs> but
2: not many people do.
3: <laughs> well, well, I've had I've had my outbursts, so I can't mm-hmm. I can't speak about people getting upset over movies. But all in all, I, I can't say that by this point I am I am wowed by what I am seeing. I, I think there's some there's some good components, some interesting period detail and. and like Adam said, drone shots that National Geographic probably could have gotten for half the money. But I was sitting there going, I was praying for, the, no pun intended, I was praying for the Predator to show up <laughs> and actually do something to, to liven this movie up. Because mm-hmm. half of this movie is the build when we already know, and she already knows that the Predator is coming. So there, there's no surprise, and I can't express enough how much that bothers me.
2: Hmm. So Nauru finds some of the predator's blood, as the predator himself watches a wolf chase down a rabbit. More good animal rendering, huh, Matt?
3: Well, I do like how when when the wolf uh bites him, the cloak wears off.
2: Yeah, that was cool.
3: Uh huh. I like how I do think they do a good job of slowly teasing what this predator looks like. Mm-hmm. So you get the final shots. So they're they're giving you something to look forward to. They're giving you little breadcrumbs, but I just wish this wolf didn't look like the things that my villagers kill on Age of Empires 2 on my PC back in 1999. <laughs> oh,
1: I do dig this quote-unquote fight. You know, we're, we're half an hour in. We're literally a third of the way into this movie because this movie's not very long. No. You know, we've, you know, we get the Predator doing this. So Predator versus Wolf. Ah, what, what was the name of the guy in the last ADPR? It was the Wolf, right? <laughs> and this Vista scene is just like Danny Trejo getting killed in Predator's so we've actually—it's—it's it's funny. He's—he's he's a Trackenberg is is giving some homages to all the movies. But like Matt said, I dig this when he bites them and you get the, the the armor, the camouflage starting to go a little bit. And then just when he's like chasing the rabbit and kind of runs into him, and you get that confused, like what the fuck was that? Yeah. You know, it woke me up for for me going, man, this movie is—you know—this is the slowest ride to the top of a roller coaster. It was nice to finally get a little something going on here. You know, because we. As you said, we know the Predator's coming. We need to fucking get there. We need to at least see him do something. So this this at least woke me up and made me put my phone back down.
2: Man, you guys saying that this movie looks so much like video games. What a weird thing to fall out over.
3: No. <laughs> God damn it. it. And, oh. and the fact we've already had Predator video games that look better than this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the fight goes on and the poor wolf just gets sliced in the head. Meanwhile, Nauru is practicing her axe throwing as she walks with a, hawk, with a hawk on her back. And then we cut to her eating it and then telling the dog, next time you're cooking. Anyone else think that the dog was going to get it by the end of this? Because I did.
3: Well, they keep teasing it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I thought it was going to be the like when he gets caught in the trap. I thought he was going to get off right there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the funny thing is the apparently this dog was a nightmare to train really? You listen to, there's a, there's an article that someone posted about how difficult it was for the dog to, you know, sit still and, you know, be directed, but he, he has better screen presence than the brother. <laughs> yeah. It's the
1: third best thing in this movie, that dog.
3: They could have called this Kamechi versus predator versus man's best friend. <laughs>
2: we cut to the predator just shining up a wolf skull and i i've always loved these shots of the predator even in the previous bad ones like if, the, if i see a predator like brandishing his trophies so to speak i i love those shots
1: what i like about this is we see in previous predator movies skulls or something you know bones hanging from the hip and we see him literally as you said shining it up pouring the liquid on it kind of like we saw yeah. in the ABP movie, you know, but uh-huh. a little bit different, just shrinking it down, taking the stuff off, giving him a nice, gleamy skull, and it's his trophy. And the way he hooks it on his belt or hooks it on his side, yeah, I'm like, okay, this is, you know, this is cool. This is the, you know, tough monster that we're looking for. So, yeah, I agree. This is
2: a nice little scene. Naru then approaches some buffalo that we're taking out, and she's thinking that the predator was the one who did this. We're going to find out later that he wasn't. <sighs> yeah, wait till we get to those those scenes.
1: Okay, okay, real quick cuz you know, she she things you know, the you're talking about all the skin bugs uh-huh, that are out, uh-huh. there, right? Okay. So, Juan, just cuz you have natives in, it doesn't mean you have to go Buffalo, but the thing that she picks up in the ground. Tell me that doesn't look like a bullet.
2: It did. Yes. Okay,
1: because I swear that was a bullet. And then I'm like that doesn't make any sense later in it. I swear they changed it. And they had to come out in the press and go, oh, fuck, fuck. No, it's a cigarette. It's a cigarette. Why is it like a six-inch, freaking four-inch-like cigarette that's not burned down? I don't know. Something about that just tweaked me the wrong way.
2: What I took it as, and this may be me reading too far into it, but I've heard Trachtenberg talk, and he is a fanboy of that first Predator film. I took it as a tribute to the first Predator film. I took it as being like Arnold smoking a cigar in the beginning stages of that film. All right, uh, I but I could, could be to reading that. too much into it. We see the predator literally walking on water, and Trachtenberg is doing a lot of storytelling from the ground here. He's shooting a lot of a lot of legs and feet going through uh, grounds and things, and you know that that's how he's building suspense. How do you guys feel? Trachtenberg does as a director in this uh, building up the suspense. Matt, you were a big fan of his work in Ten Cloverfield Lane. Uh, do you feel this is up to those standards?
3: This directing job? Not quite, because I think that movie is it is tension personified. And I think it's one of the best bottle movies we've had in a, a very long time. I think here he's sort of ham, he's hamstrung by some of the the choices that are made with the, the effects and some of the archetypical way the story's told. But I think the way he frames a lot of his shots, you know, like you said, shooting from the ground up, making the Predator look much bigger than it actually is. I don't have a lot of issues with his direction, and i do think it's it's a bit disappointing that he hadn't made a movie in between this and Ten Cloverfield Lane because i thought he he showed a lot of promise with that and this didn't seem to me like they just picked some some dude in front of a camera and say action and just give him no ownership this doesn't this feels like someone actually put put their touch on it so again look Shane Black didn't do that for the last one uh which is still the most baffling thing in the history of the series. So all in all, I think he does a good job. I, I don't think any of my my issues with this movie are specifically and only tied to his directing. And I'm disappointed he's not related to Michelle Trachtenberg. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Because I just went through all of Buffy a couple
2: months ago, and I'm thinking, oh wow, is she? Is he? No, he's not. Is he Dawn's brother? I'm like, nope. <laughs> Adam, what about you, sir? Uh, How do you feel the directing job is in this?
1: You know, I I like the shots that he has set up and, you know, the way that they're staged, the way that they're, um, you know, filmed, I I think is done well. I think the DP um, does a nice job with it most of the time. I like these low shots. As you said, the Predator walking through the water. That's something that's always cool because that's one of the first times in the original Predator that we got to see – what we were looking at is the water kind of fucked with the camouflage and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So seeing that those little homages are better than some mm-hmm. of the more overt ones, you know, that we get covered in mud because of quicksand, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so I like it. I do think the directing choices, the shots he set up, the blocking, things like that for the most part are pretty dang effective.
2: Naru, she gets stuck in quicksand and we'll get some more of this stuff when we cover indie next year, right guys?
3: Uh, good thing she didn't have a horse so they would have recreated the never ending story <laughs> oh, oh my shit. god go fuck oh,
2: yourself
1: damn. sir <laughs> w- was there any doubt that this was Chekhov's quicksand like,
2: <laughs> there was no doubt dude, whatsoever that this was here to be used somewhere in the finale <laughs> dude everything in this is Chekhov's everything <laughs> that she does
1: you know. but at, I also found it ridiculous that a group of natives like this would not know where some of these dangerous spots would be mm-hmm. on their own land. I was just, I was kind of flummoxed by that. Um, but, you know, once she pulls herself out with her Batarang
3: axe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of Batman. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, she, she turned it into a video game weapon, you know? I mean, not to keep making that, but. You know, come on. You know, she pulls herself out, and they do the pose of Arnold sitting after coming out of the mud Mm -hmm. in the first one. Um, But, yeah, there was no doubt this thing was coming back.
2: Speaking of coming back, the dog comes back to Nauru and then gets attacked by a bear. The dog protects her, and this is a nice little chase scene that ends the way the trailer began with the bear getting stabbed and taken out by the predator. I remember seeing this in the trailer and thinking, holy shit. Of course, the trailer did have the blood just streaming down the predator's spear, um, which was a magnificent yeah. shot, actually. But I thought this was actually pretty cool. What,
3: what do you guys think of this set of scenes? All right. It starts off rough because the way the bear runs yes. looks ridiculous. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, there's, there's no weight to it. Like, you don't, it's not until the predator shows up that you actually feel like this bear is actually there. I could have done without the predator just cold cocking the bear without. A, with a, that was with a hook. weird. Yeah, that was a really weird shot. <laughs> <laughs> but but at the same time, I love you know the money shot of the of the predator being fully uncloaked as he yeah. Lou Ferrigno hulks the, as a bear like <laughs> in one of the episodes. That's all I can think of because they they there's literally an episode of the Hulk show where he picks up a yes. bear. It throws it dude, off camera. Dude, we're going to yep. cover it. We're going to cover it in a couple of years. Yes. <laughs> that's, that, that's immediately where my brain traveled to. That's funny. But I I like this scene a lot because it it I've never see the predator take down a bear. Yeah. You never saw it take on yeah. anything
2: in nature, actually.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, Arnold is Arnold is his own... Freak of nature. He's his own, yeah. he's his own freak of nature, yeah, except uh, don't, don't ask him what time his wife comes home.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ.
3: <laughs> what I dug about
1: this, too, is he is stepping up the natural order of things. He went from a snake, he went to the wolf, now he's going after the bear. He's he, he's going up the chain, Good you point. know, when you think about it that way. Yeah. Uh um I agree that the bear has no heft and weight to him, you know, it's it's unfortunate. Um Hollywood, give your fucking BX guys the time that they need to do their job, please. Um especially fucking Disney. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um She Hulk. Fuck. Oh god.
2: Oh God. <laughs> um, but
1: but but I like the way that this you know, the dog chase, you know, and they run away, she's just like, huh. And then it flips and the dog's running back. Yeah. And then you see the bear and it's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. You get, you know, you, you get a moment of levity there, you know, of two seconds, uh, before it just all goes to hell. Uh, but that shot and we also, uh, the blood gushing down the predator and revealing its form. Wonderful shot. Fantastic shot. You know, you want to bring something different. You want to put your stamp on something like this. That's a killer moment.
3: This reminded me, this was a better remake of The Revenant, and it, wasn't, it was half the length. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the rest of the tribe finds Nauru, and she ends up beating the fuck out of one of them. And,
3: Speaking of oh, the black throne, this reminded me of when they beat the sister out. Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: And then we see the Predator watching, a.k.a. stalking the tribe, and then he starts his attack on them, and the Predator finally shows its face, and it's not pretty, as always. Uh, let's talk about the design of this Predator a bit. Now, is this the... For, for, Go ahead. Before you do that, yeah. knowing that the Predator was watching this going
1: on, did either of you think that the Predator was going to kill them for her? Because that's what I thought he was going to do.
2: It seemed like it, yeah, because he always takes a
3: side, doesn't he,
2: in most of the yeah. films. Uh, yeah, I thought, I kind of thought so.
3: Wow, I don't understand why people are complaining about this Predator design. I think it looks good. There's some critiques in this movie that I do disagree with. And I think of all the the issues that are there, I don't think complaining about the Predator design. If that's your biggest problem with the movie, maybe you should dig a little bit deeper. Because I think it looks perfectly passable. Not, it's not like when I saw, bring it back to another series that I want to do at some point, when they switched pinhead actors finally. Oh, yeah. And oh, God. The first one that was not Doug Bradley. It looked like... They just duct taped the pins to his head. Here, I like the the face is a little bit more elongated, where, where the forehead is. Mm-hmm. He's got like a Peyton Manning forehead. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, the, the Predator looks like a football player's evolved to no longer need helmets. But that notwithstanding, I, I like that it's it's not as bulky as the ones in Alien vs. Predator. Like Those look like freaking offensive linemen. Yeah, men. they did. Uh, they're they're so ridiculously buff. They look like The Rock, where he can't put his arms down because he's so muscular. Here, I like that he's a little bit leaner, a little bit quicker, but he's he can still move and he can still you know hold his own in a fight. But again, can we stop with the CG blood squibs for the love of God? I I hate seeing this in modern movies for a movie this quote unquote cheap, all things considered. You know, there's no budget listed, but. With the amount of money they spend on the special effects, they should have had plenty of left to do practical
2: blood. People hate, and I know this because I've been on a few of these sets. People hate working with squibs because you have to get the continuity down. You know, with CGI, yep. you could just do it right there, and with squibs, you have to put the blood on, and then if it doesn't work, you have to do it again and get new clothes and get. It's a hassle doing practical blood, and for a production as you said, this cheap. You know, I can see why they did it that way, but here's the thing: you need to make it at least look real. And again, they struck out in that regard.
3: Paul Verhoeven would say, "Fuck your feelings." Yeah. Yeah. Did it, you
2: know what I thought of when I saw this design? Because, you know, I'm with you, Matt. I don't get all the critiques of the design either. I think it looks fine. I think it does look like a 300-year-old Predator, a Predator that's been around 300 years ago, you know, which is when this takes place, let's not forget. But it also looks like the original design they had done for Jean-Claude Van Damme way back when, yeah, well, when they originally it looks did more the like
3: a Predator. Yeah, it looks more like a Xenomorph. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 it is much bigger. Uh, the eyes uh-huh. can't really tell out what. Because if you've seen those original, that original prior design, it looks like a giant insect. Oh yeah, yeah, the, nothing like what we what we in, ended up getting. Yeah, the only difference is if if Jean Claude Van Damme was on this movie, they would have needed to use a footstool <laughs> in certain shots. Boy, because here they cast Dave Delago, who is a former basketball player. He
2: is. He's uh, he's six foot nine. But he's not, as you said, the, these aren't as bulky as those are, those other suits were. Because those guys, Ian White did the last couple that we covered. You know, he was about 6'8", six, 6'9", six, as well. Uh, now, Kevin Peter Hall, the original guy who played him, was seven two, yeah. Which is why he was so imposing. Yeah, I, I agree. I like the way this guy plays him. My whole thing, though... Now, is this a buffalo head that he has on? Or is this something else that he killed? I thought maybe it was one of those buffaloes that she ran into earlier.
1: No, what this is... This is a creature from the Predator homeworld. Oh,
2: okay. So,
1: it, in Predators, there's a creature—it's a river, river ghost, I think, is what it was called—and that skull that he's got up there to form the helmet. It's from that, so it's okay. it's like the top half of the head of that thing.
0: Oh, so I, I like, okay. Yeah.
1: So I like that it takes it back to that. I like that it's a little bit different. You know, it's it—you could see that the shape of that would eventually become that mechanical metal type helmet that we get later. I like that they took that design and took a design from here, a little bit of here, I was like, let's make something different. You know, to your guys' point, this Predator looks looks great. Like I don't have an issue
2: with it. He does his
1: ab work, so I'll give him fucking credit, <laughs> you know. They got a decline bench fucking on Predator Homeworld to get his sit ups in. He's rough and ready to rumble. You know, it's he looks looks pretty badass once we get that full look.
2: So in the midst of this fight, we have one guy who gets his arms cut off. Another gets speared to death with some ugly predator breath to have to deal with. (laughs) He just roars in his face. And uh, as Naru, she runs away. She finds her brother, who raises his bow and arrow, and Naru then recognizes the red dots on his face as the laser on the gun. So she immediately moves him out of the way before running for her life.
1: I like this, too. We think we know... Because we know that tracking device, yeah, we know that you know, and it's not that you know that it's these arrows, darts, you know, whatever you want to that shoot out, and that's what it is. So a slight change, you know, we don't have the shoulder cannon. Yeah, I was going to mention
2: the shoulder cannon. The absence the shoulder cannon.
1: You know, so the fights that we get, the kills that we get, are fucking vicious and bloody, and damn, when the predators taking them all out, it holy shit, you want to talk about a slasher horror movie. I mean, you know, there's no language in this thing, but it earns its R straight from the freaking gore and loss of limbs. And when that's going on, you've got me sitting at the edge of my seat, and I'm right back into this.
2: When did it lose you out of curiosity?
1: I think when that Thunderbird came down and that ugly title card came up that said Prey.
2: <laughs> okay. So you're not, you're not <laughs> no, saying you're I, back I, into it. You're saying you're getting <laughs> into it.
1: I wasn't feeling drawn into the world. You know, Nauru, I wasn't feeling empathy for that character. I didn't care about the brother. I think it was the the Predator-Wolf fight kind of got me interested. And right here, I was just like, oh, you know, we're halfway through the movie now. You know, but I'm like, damn, all right, we're ramping up. I mean, this is finally some action going on, some excitement. The bear fight, you know, I think, I think from there on, you at least got me hooked.
2: Matt, what about you, sir? How are you feeling about the midway point of this film?
3: Once the predator comes into the movie, I think it really kicks into gear for about 15 minutes. There's a detour that happens. Oh that boy. That kind of pivoted the movie once again cuz I, I felt like <laughs> this, this is a movie much like the, the the Comanches. It's like they were at war with themselves as to how how isolated do we make this? Cuz I felt like every time they added additional characters, it took away from the survival component, you know, that feeling of isolation that I really think they wanted to hone in on, that was their, seemed like that was their marketing pitch, where instead of all the other Predator movies, there's someone working, or it's a group, or it's a a tandem, like Predator 2. Here, I thought the movie was going to be basically her, after she leaves the village, completely on her own. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed that it wasn't that.
2: Well, she is found by French fur traders. She...
0: Mon dieu! <laughs>
3: like this is how like I thought they were so stereotypical. It reminded me of Phantom Menace. Everyone in that movie is a freaking stereotype. No, like these Frenchmen might as well have been hitting her with baguettes. And God, it was they're so fucking cartoonish. It's unbelievable. Yeah,
2: and they don't even do the subtitle. Like when they do subtitles, it's all in French too. Like they don't even have English subtitles associated with these guys. Uh, you know what I thought of? Was, I didn't think of Phantom Menace. I thought of Hannibal, or Hannibal Rising, Matt, when we covered that one. Oh, with the not
0: Yes. At the beginning? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, how insulting call.
1: is it that the Comanches speak English, but the French don't? Yeah. If you're going to fucking have it in English, just do the Hunt for Red October <laughs> shit and have the whole thing be fucking English. Well, to be
2: fair, that was a big, big uh, issue that Trachtenberg had while filming this, and he did mention that, was... Do we do the whole, and he did use that quote, Hunt for Red October thing. (laughs) You know, as a compromise, the Comanches are the main characters of this film. So I'm just going to dub it that way. But you're absolutely right. Like, it doesn't make any sense. The way they well, Let's
1: be honest. It doesn't matter, and we're not listening. This might as well be Joey from Friends trying to speak French every time these guys fucking talk.
3: No, this is the equivalent of Brad Pitt's character in Inglorious Bastards trying to speak Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and they sneak into oh, the God. theater because it's yeah. so, it is so over the top and so just. And people are wondering why I'm so pissed about this. My last name is Goudreau. Just keep that in mind.
0: Uh and it's not
3: so often we get French representation in these kinds of movies. <laughs> this is not what I had in mind. And it also brings the movie to a halt. Yeah, it does. <laughs>
0: yes, it, does. It, it really was, does. it was building
3: up momentum. it's it like, okay, we finally got her one on one with the Predator. But much like a video game, we have the side quest where it's like she was walking through the Pokemon grass and a wild Frenchman tribe appeared. <laughs> and uh, her attacks were not very effective because she gets captured very quickly. And, of course, there's the one guy who sympathizes with her Uh because that that is a cliche in and of itself in in these types of movies. I would have removed this entirely because it, it, it derails the momentum.
1: Can anybody explain or tell me how she escaped from the Predator? Because he's fighting, he turns around and is like, whoop, whoop, where'd she go?
3: Um, well, he, he, to, to answer your question, uh, Poochie went back to his home planet.
1: <laughs> he's used his heat vision, you know, throughout the course of this, so he's got it, but while she's running away, he decides he's not going to turn it on this time? It, it,
0: nah, okay.
3: Nah. Ah. Yeah. Sometimes the predator in this movie, he does things because she needs to survive. Yes. Or I should say, he does not do things. Not do things,
1: Yeah. Survives. Yep. How long is this? No, we got to hit an hour 37. Keep it going.
3: Matt, you... And I didn't fill the length, to be totally No, I didn't either. I I will not complain about this movie being too long or too short. I think it's the right amount. Any time I see a movie that we have to review for this podcast and it's 90 minutes, I am eternally grateful. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But having said that, when you beef up that runtime with shit like this, I get irritated. And I think you could have filled this time with her either playing... You know, hide-and-seek It sounds very elementary, but do something where she frickin' monsoon comes in and she has to build up a, a fort, or... How about she
1: sets traps in the frickin' woods?
3: Yeah. You gotta put Chekhov's quicksand here. <laughs> or have... I don't know. Can you really come up with an animal more terrifying than a bear? Because that's the thing, like, you've escalated the food chain to a point where you, you already hit your apex halfway through the movie. Yeah, a like, little too soon. Hover, yeah, have her fight a shark. I don't fucking know. <laughs>
2: Matt, you nailed it for me, though, when you mentioned that the movie has a real issue maintaining momentum. You know, as soon as we think we're getting something that is going to propel the film forward, we are slowed the fuck down. And it bugs me. So, Naru, she wakes up in a cage, and she, dedu- she deduces that it was actually these guys who killed the buffalo. The traders tell her if she was smart, she'd help them. And then they m- mutilate her brother so that they can use him as bait. So they're strapped to a post faster than you can say Raiders of the Lost Ark as the Predator shows up <laughs> and starts another rampage. I, I do love this shot of him appearing out of the fog. You know, that was in all the trailers, but that was that, that's just a kick-ass shot. What do you guys feel about this, you know, when the Predator comes? I mean, her brother's not the bait. These guys are the bait, right? I mean, we have to have these guys here for a quote-unquote body count.
3: You're correct. We need to see the Predator just take out. A group of people, and it'd be somewhat disrespectful if he took out the Comanche tribe. Unfortunately, this is also where we have the worst reference to the pred- the original movie.
2: Oh, my brother God. says, yeah, that was my next line. Yeah, go
0: ahead. Brother
3: says that quote, "If it bleeds, we can kill it."
2: Yep, she tells she tells her brother that this creature doesn't hunt with bait, and she says that she's not sure he can be killed. And he replies, "If it bleeds, we can kill it." At least he didn't say, let's get to the chopper. Oh, wait, there were no choppers in 1719. <laughs> yeah, well, there was no
3: chopper to run to. Yeah, that, that was. Being... I, am, I am so tired. This movie does not play the member berries game. For, for most of it. It's
2: it's sly references, it's,
3: Matt. It's not in
2: your face. This particular reference is in your face. Yeah, I, I swear to God, J.J.
3: Abrams directed this one scene. <laughs> which I, I'm going to stay sound on that because we'll be talking about him. Oh, yeah. Within the next couple of years when we do Star Wars and Star Trek and I can just unleash, mm-hmm. the Force unleash There you so. go. But yeah, that was the moment where I just... It's like they couldn't resist. They couldn't fucking resist. Now, I'm not saying I... I guess it's better the alternative of finding like a fucking Arnold cameo, or 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 doing like recreating a kill scene. I think that would have been more egregious. But like I said, the dialogue being too Americanized. I think that is a great representation, uh, especially. God, god, fucking damn it! I was just disappointed. Like I hit that point, and I I turned to Christian because he watched it with me, and I just said, "You got to be fucking kidding!" Me. Like that's the. <laughs> That's like every time in a Terminator movie, someone says, come with me if you want to live. I'm like, fucking stop. <laughs> like, just <laughs> Do not cast go. Do not
2: collect $200. Just stop. James Cameron said this was his favorite part of the film. Uh <laughs> No. One, yes, that line notwithstanding. Having him come out of the fog
1: I mean, just looking like he... Remember, this is, this movie... Oh, wait, it's not called The Predator. It's Prey. Well, who's The Prey? We don't give a shit. This movie's Predator. You know, and this mm-hmm. is, we finally get... The character that we actually came to see, you know? I mean, let's be honest. In the first Predator, we came to see Arnold. That's who we came for, and then we got something great out of the rest of it. Every other movie, this is who we're here to see, and we want to see the Predator fuck shit up and take in these chocolate bleu Frenchmen who... Get some wicks in, you know, they got at least some muskets. They should have brought a blunderbuss, but, you know, maybe done some more damage. But we actually got an escalation in weapons, not that they can do anything against them. He's getting some wounds, but they're not fatal. You know, we get some good chuckles even where they all unload and then have to stop and (laughs) and refill, you know, the powder on their gun. This is an enjoyable little scene right here. I can't believe there were so many of these Frenchmen from Nemo through, but it was kind of cool to see. And to see Naru and her brother... You know, break out and use some smarts to get free and use that, that foot trap, that bear trap again, you know, to cut through the ropes. It's, you're seeing some evolution with them and such. And I dug this just as a way to see some, some moves, see some weapons, see the evolution of the net that we see in other mm-hmm. movies and stuff. So deciding that this is the character, the weapons are almost like side characters that we need to, you know, have in here as well. This is what the movie needed more of. And, however, you get the constant problem of we get some momentum and then it dies we get a little momentum and then it dies this car just keeps running out of gas it can't stay lit
2: yeah i like the addition of the net as well and i do like again this is a you know this is a predator from 300 years ago so it's not going to have the high tech shoulder cannon or any of those weapons that we saw before we're seeing early versions yeah. of those and i did think that was kind of cool you know and to your point too adam you didn't come to see Danny Glover in the second film
3: never mind no, I was too old for that <laughs> shit. Good. You saved me for myself. Thank you. <laughs> so these French guys... Oh, i got French friend in this movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: so these French guys are just getting destroyed as Na'ru starts coming up with a plan. But the plan can't happen fast enough as three of the Predator's atom bombs are released and detonated. I thought this was kind of cool, too, seeing these three discs. And hey, speaking of discs, this, uh, you know, we saw the other disc with some bad CGI blood, but it was... Pretty cool to see that one.
3: Oh, his, uh, his proximity mines? Yeah. I thought these were pretty cool because I, I like that there's there, there's some new tech. For a less advanced Predator to still have some new tricks up his sleeve, I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. You know what we need? We need a Predator multiplayer game, you know, and you got to choose. Do you want this feral Predator? Do you want the wolf? Do you want the OG? Do you want, you know, you can have a selection of different Predators with different weapons from throughout the franchise. Mm-hmm.
2: So the dog gets saved yet again, this time by Raphael. And then Raphael starts taking the guys out as well. The Predator, meanwhile, he tends to his wounds, as does Raphael, whose leg is now amputated. Now, is this gun they find is this the exact same one given to Danny Glover in number two?
3: Sure is. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's got the, the inscription it's got the inscription yeah. on it. Which again, this is the validation that this is not the first time the predators have been on Earth.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly.
3: Yeah, and I call bullshit on this uh, this marketing department, but <laughs> I'm just... I.
0: You sound so really, un- really
2: frustrated at Matt. You sound really frustrated. I am, because
3: when this movie works, I think it works very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it keeps... I, I feel like th- there's a South Park episode where, <laughs> where Mr. Garrison, he's Trump and he's running against the <laughs> political <laughs> plans and he keeps, he keeps yelling at her, get out of your own way. And that's what I want to keep saying to this movie, because it's so close. Like, I think they were on the verge of making this, not just a good Predator sequel, a great one. But between the callbacks, between the narrative shortcuts, and some of the the shorthanded screenwriting, I think it's, they keep shooting themselves in the foot. Nauru
2: starts her game of hide-and-seek, and there's a cool shot of her against a tree as the Predator is walking around behind her. I believe this was in the trailer as well. But this is when she finds out that the Predator cannot see things that are cold. Again, that's going to come up later as well. Uh, meanwhile, her brother shows up and does some damage of his own. And then he tells her to run because it sees her brother as a threat. She refuses until she sees him get picked up by the spear. And then hears the Predator growl. This was the fight scene that I mentioned earlier that um, these two actors were talking about. and um, I like
1: this. The two of them, as you know brother and sister... Going off against Feral Predator, I think it's a pretty damn good fight. Yeah. You know, it's engaging. It's it's kinetic. It's got some really good stuff here. The the action and fight scenes and the way they shot it, choreographed it, except in one of them. It's got some weird, like, 180 camera move that it does once that flummoxed me because I didn't know what the fuck they were doing. But it's, it's engaging. Like, it gets me in. There's a kineticness to it that the rest of the film doesn't have. This is before they accidentally fucking slip the clutch and... You know, the car sputters and, and dies again. This is when it's working well is when stuff like this goes on. You know, even the brother, and we haven't been kind in, you know, his, his acting ability and such, but, you know, him going toe-to-toe, his physicality going up against Predator works really well, you know, and it's believability, this, you know, these two warriors facing off. I'm down for this. This is the movie that I'm wanting.
3: I would have had more of an emotional investment if he was with her the entire time. hmm Mm -hmm. I think that's also a problem that I had, where they they try to go for a cheap, emotional, you know, tug-at-your-heartstrings loss. But because the movie is so quick to jump to the next set piece, it doesn't have any staying power. She's washing
2: herself in the river and then prepares herself for battle. She loads the gun and just waits. Meanwhile, a Frenchman wakes up with rats all around him as she tells the Frenchman that she now sees herself as the stealth threat. She sneaks up behind the Predator and shoots him in the head before taking his head shield. Wow.
1: (laughs) Let's be clear. She puts a flintlock pistol right to the back of his head, shoots him point-blank in the back of the head, and that's how the fight starts. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't shoot his helmet. The helmet didn't cover the back of his head. Mm -hmm. It's just fucking forehead down.
3: Correct, but if you know anything about flintlock pistols, they are some of the most inaccurate firearms ever invented. So you have to be at that close of proximity to get a guaranteed kill shot.
0: Which she was,
3: and the predator just walks it off.
0: Yeah,
2: it's like the Undertaker getting hit by a chair shot, right, Matt? Oh, we'll, yeah, we'll except Shawn uh, Michaels wasn't here to count the ones. That <laughs> All of a sudden, it starts snowing because Trachtenberg just wants to make Kill Bill, apparently.
3: Uh. <laughs> you know, I like this aesthetic. I kind of like the too. whole movie place yeah. in the winter. Because yeah. that's a whole other element you have to worry about. How does not just how does she survive in the winter? How does a predator uh-huh. does he have, like, does he have uh, like heaters in his little survival kit?
1: Well, you could have then also used it to really play in the, um, the cold aspect of, you know, fucking with someone's heat vision when it's snowing and I mean, snow cave stuff, god damn, that would have been a good idea.
0: Fuck.
2: So here's the final battle, boys, with Nauru just pretty much kicking this predator's ass. And that, that's another massive problem I have with this movie. This chick doesn't get a mark on her from this fight. In fact, the trouble with the Frenchman earlier, she, had, she, she was beaten up more by them than she is in this fight. Even Arnold had marks on him
3: after getting in a fight with this dude. Yeah, she's kind of got um, she's got Captain Marvel syndrome, yeah. where she becomes she becomes invincible for the last fight. Oh, it's so annoying! Um, and I understand, you know, it's tough. You you don't necessarily want to have excessive violence depicted on a mm-hmm. woman, but don't make your protagonist a woman. Then. That's what yeah, if exactly. If you're unafraid to do that. that, that's that's my issue.
1: Everybody else in this movie she's fought has got a lick in, hit her, thrown her, kicked uh-huh. her. The only one that hasn't is the fucking
2: predator. I got to be honest, I started feeling bad for the Predator midway through this fight. <laughs> like, you just seeing that glow-in-the-dark blood spurt everywhere. And then there's like, I'm like, dude, get a lick in at least. You're right, Matt. If you don't want to hurt your female protagonist, don't make a female protagonist.
3: I think she's yelling like curly in the Three Stooges,
2: not
0: so hard. <laughs> like,
2: so she killed it by setting up a trap using his own mask. Um, I like this. Did you? I like this. I did. Just because it's smart.
1: It's shows that she's learned some of his stuff as well. It's so telegraphed that you know it's that that's why it's in seventeen nineteen because they're using fucking telegraphs. That's how telegraphed it is. Um, you can see it coming, but I dug it. You know, I once you figure out that he's zooming in on her and it's gonna kill himself. Yeah, I'm 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 down with it. Just because we haven't seen it. You know, we want something different. We want an inventive kill and. Using his own weapons against him? Fuck yeah, why not?
3: I was expecting her to have some shitty one-liner to end this battle, and I'm thankful that they let the the action speak for themselves. I I didn't have the problem that a lot of people did where she outsmarted the Predator, Mm -hmm. because the Predator was also shot in the head not too long ago, (laughs) and has (laughs) has taken a considerable amount of punishment, so there's a good chance that he's not in his right state of mind. And it's not like she picked up this giant, you know, rocket launcher and shot him. Uh, she just used what was already there. But this, the like you said about Chekhov's quicksand, um, you know, in Soviet Russia, uh, sink quicksand basically. Mm-hmm.
2: So we get in the midst of a massive war cry between the Comanche tribe as credits roll on prey. Wow. And then the credits. Uh oh! Is there is there Jeez. a final credit scene here? Did you not watch
1: the all of the animated credits that they do? No. You know that it's it's you know it looks like cave paintings and such, or it looks like sorry, cave. I don't mean for that to, but they're drawn, right? At the very at the very end of it, you see kind of like the tribe together, and then you see where the predator ship emerged from the clouds,
2: mm.
1: and then you see two more ships emerge from the clouds.
2: Wow! Never noticed that. All right. Scale of one to ten, what do we give prey? Uh, Matt, you go ahead and go, sir.
3: So going into this with a large degree degree of skepticism as well as minimal expectations, this movie did jump over the, the bar. Unfortunately, the bar was, you know, at the base of my feet based on the previous movies. I really wanted to love this movie because I think the outline that they created is what I wanted. After the last couple of movies, I mean, look, the last movie had weaponized autism for Christ's sake. See our our predator the predator review for more about that. So I thought let's let's get away from modern sensibilities and just tell a tell a man versus beast story. Unfortunately, they took 2022 conventional screenwriting with them while they were developing this project. And I think that's that's the most disappointing thing, is that so much of the, like I said, what dialogue there is, I think is terrible. I don't think there's a single memorable line. Nothing that these characters say has a lot of weight in my estimation, which one of the things that I do like about The First Predator is, beyond the catchphrases, you really get to know all those characters, even Arnold. Like I said, that 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 traversal is so great. There's none of that here. And that makes it all the more disappointing, because... I do think this is a, it's a well directed movie. I think Amber Midthunter does a good job with what she's given. But that notwithstanding, I don't have the response to this movie that a lot of other people did. I think it's good. Don't get me wrong. I think this is something that I appreciated that it was rated R. I'm glad they didn't make this PG 13 because anytime I see that rating, I, I don't. Like PG-13s, I'm glad they picked a lane and got some blood, but God forbid they gave it another pass. Representation's great and all, but you got to do more than just putting it in front of a camera and saying, look, we did it. That's the minimal effort. It's a simple movie, but I, I think it's overly simplistic. It's authentic with its period, but it's betrayed by the dialogue. So I really think it's a movie at war with itself, like I talked about earlier. So when I was deciding what am i going to score this i think the fact that i was i was entertained and i think there's some very quality stuff throughout there's more than enough action if you're going to see it for that and i think all in all it's a it's a noble effort the intentions were good i just wish they put a little bit more effort into sort of the the details that's what separates a good action movie from a great action movie are the, are the little, the touches. That's why Aliens has stood the test of times, that they, they really beefed up those characters, and they really, they added some thematic stuff with Newt and Ripley. Hell, that's what makes the first Terminator movie a classic, is the, the, just the unrelenting terror. I think I could have seen that here. And I kinda wish they, they made the Predator a little bit scarier, for what that's worth because I think that would have benefited the tone of this a little bit more. But all in all, I do endorse this movie. I think it's good. But I don't think this is going to be something that shows up on my best of the year list or anything of that sort. So I'm going to land on, because of how much I, I did enjoy it, and I thought the Predator himself was done justice, which has not happened for a very long time. I'm going to give this the softest 7 on 10 in the history of this recording. All that for a 7. I was wrestling between a 6 and a 7. And a 6 to me is kind of middle of the road. And I do think this is a bit better than that. All right. And I'm also scoring it based on, I gave The Predator a 5 and Predators a 4. I think this is considerably better than both of those movies.
2: All right. Adam, the fanboy of this series, what do you think of Prey, sir?
1: So
3: I kind of wish that I got
1: a chance to go into this without hearing, without seeing uh, my social media feed displayed with everybody's feelings about this, even though I saw it the same day it came out because of that. Because I think the the praise of, oh, my God, best Predator movie ever, fucking calm your tits there. Second best Predator movie ever, yeah, there's not a lot of good ones. (laughs) So, you know, we can at least start having that discussion. Uh, Prey does a lot of things right. I mean, it gives us a predator that we're excited to see, a predator that we root for, you know, as fucked up as that is. We're excited to see it show up and, and do what it does. Um, I think it's a disservice to the Comanche people to say, we're going to put you in this movie because, and to not have a reason for doing so. I find it disrespectful that you put them in, the Great Northern Plains, when they were the Southern Plains tribal nations. You didn't even properly represent, you know, that they were a active warring tribe. You know, you could have played up into that. I think if you're going to make it a point of your movie, I think you have a responsibility to do it accurately. So it started off literally two minutes into this movie with a negative because I knew that just the placement of it wasn't right and – it, it took me a little while to get over that. Once I get over some of the stuff, though, I enjoy it. I mean, this movie starts – it starts slow. It needed a better hook at the beginning, and if so, if it had that, I think I could have got into it a whole lot earlier. Uh, the Predator design, I like it. You know, I like it a lot. It's less sci-fi. You know, it's much more animalistic, and I think that goes with this time period of the 1700s. You know, Amber Midthunder, as Matt said, she's – you know, she's fine. I would not be adverse to seeing – Her in another one, you know, after this, I'd like to see how she grows into it. But I don't think anybody else that they cast in this movie does anything positive for the movie, unfortunately. The script, you know, screenwriter, (laughs) especially. However, the action scenes are really fun, really kinetic. The the fights, the battles, um, they really get your blood pumping. They really get you into it and brings you back into that predator world here on earth and in an older style. It's shot. It's directed. Nice. Cinematographer did a nice job when we're in the daytime. I rip those nighttime scenes cause I can't see shit. And if I can't see it, I, I'm not going to enjoy that part of your movie. And if you're going to spend 10, 15 minutes at night and you're going to film it at night, I can't see anything. Uh, when we get to the Frenchman, as we said, they grind this movie to a fricking halt. So, Watching them all get slaughtered, sorry to my good friend Goudreau, but, you know, at least it got some fun and some excitement back into the movie. For a Predator franchise that needed a jolt, it seems like this has done this for a lot of people, and that makes me very happy. I don't know what Disney can do now. I think they're going, ah, shit, if this failed, we could at least do something with it. Maybe we could trade this IP for something else. You know, maybe we could trade it to universal and we can get our theme park rights back in Florida. I have a feeling they wanted to do that with the alien and the predator line. Um, I think this being a success, I think Disney's kind of fucked because I don't know how Disney makes a predator movie going forward. I'm really curious as to how that'll go. The end of this movie. I like how it goes. I like Nauru and Fred facing off one-on-one. I I think she, you know, kind of does some Kajakori dance, Brazilian dance fighting to get away. But all in all, I have a decent time with it. I'm not as high as Matt. I'm not as negative as maybe we would have seen throughout a lot of this movie because we nitpicked a lot of the negative. But I think we also found a lot of bright spots in it in a franchise that really needed some bright spots. So I'm a solid six. Not my favorite of the Predator movies, but probably third right after Predator and Predators, because I enjoy that movie quite a bit. Though I will, I'll say I do want to see this again. Um, I saw this solo by myself. I'd like to watch this with my wife or watch it, you know, with a friend, you know, with somebody at the same time and kind of get a back and forth as I watch this and see see if I enjoy it even a little more with somebody else. But as it stands right now, I'm a good solid six.
2: 6 out of 10 from Adam, and he seemed more positive than Goudreau. This has been the weirdest set of scores since I can remember on this podcast, <laughs> since I gave Catwoman an 8. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're one to <laughs> New zero, you bastard. Disney wondering uh, if they can make a PG-13 Predator film. Hell, I wonder if they still have Paul W.S. Anderson's number.
0: You can fuck right off.
2: <laughs> Look, you know. Even his wife doesn't remember anymore. <laughs>
1: She's got mine.
2: Man, like Matt, I had this Kool-Aid in front of me, and I was all set to drink it. I really was. I was all set to get behind this film and champion it as the second best Predator film. I'm not sure if I can do that. You know, I have to go back and listen to our Predator scores, Matt, but I don't know if I gave anything past the first one over a six. I don't even know if I gave the second one a six. Uh, but that's what I'm scoring this. I think it's fine. I think it's a little better than fine. I think there are some very good action scenes in this, but the CGI kills it. I think that Naru is a decent female protagonist, but then they, they feel the need to stick her with a bunch of Frenchmen, and you know, and then she can use those skills to kill the Predator later. I hate the fact that this chick, by the end, is the superwoman who can just beat the fuck out of this predator. There are so many things about this movie that are so goddamn frustrating to me. And the brother cannot act worth a shit. It was fun seeing him on that panel at Comic-Con, and I was happy to see his enthusiasm. He was a a self-assured real fan of that first film and he wanted to make it as good as he could well guess what you don't have any of the presence of those guys from the first film and that's a big thing that this movie is missing is presence amber midthunder does fine as naru but she doesn't have anywhere near the presence that we felt before uh and that's a problem god just all the praise laid upon this film and as much as i like track and burst speed previous work not as much as matt but i did like 10 cloverfield lane quite a bit I thought this movie was lacking. I thought there was no momentum in this movie. And that, they say what you want about that first film, man. The momentum that movie has carries it through its entire hour and forty-five minute runtime. This movie has none of that. And what it does have in it it falters really, really quick. You know, that first film had, and I hate making the comparison, but I kind of have to in this instance, that first film had the scene of them invading at the very, (laughs) right before they meet the Predator. That scene doesn't make any sense, but that scene comes near the beginning of their stages in South America. Here, they have a scene with these French guys that is right in the middle, right towards the end of this film, and it just, pulls it to a grinding halt there are some storyline problems here there are some scriptwriting problems here there aren't too many directing problems i think trachtenberg does fine enough with what he has but i land on a six because i just can't be one of those people who says yeah this is one of the best films of the year i'm not going that far i don't get why people are saying that i have seen huge things written about this film i have seen people explain the female protagonist as somebody who why is it when arnold comes out and he doesn't have much character That's fine, but when we have a female doing it, it it doesn't work to some people. Well, it it just doesn't because there's no presence going on here. So, yeah, 6 out of 10 for me. All right, guys, that covers our, as Adam calls it in his intro to this, not mini-Predator retrospective, Predator mini-retrospective. A mini-Predator would be awful (laughs) cool, though. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I sold that line from you, sir. So we are done covering Predator, at least for now. Where do you guys think this stands in the Pantheon? Are we... At least above the Predator, Matt. Easily.
3: Oh yeah. Okay. I, I do think this is this was a good return to, to basics after basically everything they've done after the first Predator, I have not liked. Mm-hmm. To go back to any of those shows, like you didn't give anything above a six, I didn't give anything above a five.
0: Yeah.
3: I, I was just so beaten down. Honestly, I don't know what they do from here. Yeah. My my natural inclination is to say try television. Um, because it's done wonders for Chucky, which I thought that franchise had kind of lost me. They went to TV, and it's probably my favorite thing they've done in the franchise. Take an hour of television. Strip all the the excess off of this. And you have a pretty lean episode of television, like like an American horror anthology style, where you go through different periods in history. It'd get a little redundant, possibly, because the Predator would maybe always lose. But by the same token, Predator is just one of those things that... It's got the recognition because of the monster and because of, of what the first movie's reputation is. To be perfectly honest, I don't want to see, because I know Disney's got a hold of this. I'm picturing them back in a dump truck full of money up to Arnold's house and saying, we'll do the, we'll do a legacy sequel where you fight the predator again. Mm. Because you know good and goddamn well Disney will never let this thing go now that it's in their clutches. They want to keep this going as long as possible. But I think this movie showed some promise. It's still got some life. It's done well, critically and commercially for for what it is. I'm not going to say it can't continue, but to be perfectly transparent, they really need to stop and say, what else can we do? And really assess the future of this series before they make another one.
0: Yeah, I
1: mean, it's, you know, it's it's curious because, you know, are they going to put it under one of their other banners? Are they going to, you know, television, not a bad idea. Um, different time frames, you know, imagine a Predator showing up in feudal Japan, you know, nice. pretty badass. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean versus the Predator, you know, I'm down with that,
3: <laughs> let Johnny get his head I puppet. was going to say, I know
2: a lot of people um, would like to see Johnny Depp get his head chopped off at this point. <laughs>
3: I mean, look, speaking of Predator, I mean, he could fight Kaiser Miller.
1: You know, are we going to have a Predator land over at Animal Kingdom in Florida? Fucking, you know, count me in. It's tough. I mean, Alien supposedly is getting a television show next year. I think Noah Hawley is supposed to be doing one.
3: I will believe that thing is getting made when I see an actual trailer.
1: I agree. I keep hearing, oh, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, we'll see.
3: I don't know. Which is why I'm going to be a father for the second time in a month.
1: (laughs) I would not be surprised if Disney just decides, you know what, we can get something for these two IPs more than we can make it ourselves. I think that – I literally think that they would trade them both to Universal to be able to get Marvel rights for Florida theme parks because they don't and they can never have unless they come up with some weird, you know, buyout of Universal, which Universal is never going to do. But I just – I don't know. You know, are they going to make an R-rated Predator movie? Does Disney have it in them? I I don't think they do, but I would like to be surprised. You know, do you do a sequel to this? I think people are going to be asking for it, but I think if you do a sequel, people are not going to want it just as a Hulu exclusive. You know, that's not going to fly a second time. So it'll be interesting. It's amazing how silent the Mouse House has been, you know, after such a, such a great weekend, you know. It, critically, commercially, it's done really well for them, mm. and I'm happy to see that. I'm glad so many people have enjoyed it. But it's amazing that for their earnings call coming out that they've been just fucking silent as hell about any praise on it themselves. Mm. Maybe because it's it was amazing to see that 20th century studios fanfare, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they're, they're bringing back the Predator comic line. They've already brought back the Aliens comic line under the Marvel banner. So who knows? I mean, Predator with, some, with a set of Mickey ears, I'm at least going to give it a shot.
3: Say also, because you brought up an interesting question with the, the park rights. If you're Disney, do you make a play for not just Marvel, but Universal also has The Simpsons? Ooh. Do you, do you trade that for Predator and maybe Alien? Alien. Does Universal get both of those? Because for the longest time at at Magic Kingdom there was a, I know this is Disney, there was an Alien style ride. Yeah the the
1: uh, Alien Encounter, Alien yeah,
3: Escape. It, yeah, which was you know not really suitable for kids. That was like no. the, not just because Jeffrey Jones was one of the main stars of it, but <laughs> um, yeah, I could see them making a, a play to get that because. Universal's had to be very specific, because I, I know this because we went in February, about the characters and the, the branding for their Marvel island. Yeah.
2: All right. So that does it for Predator. Next week, we go right back to examining the movies about the guy in the cape and cowl. We're back to Batman, boys, covering a movie that to say is polarizing would be a big understatement. Batman vs. Superman. Dawn of Justice. Talk about it, alien versus a predator. Yeah, right. Israel Miller's in this? Oh, he is. Oh, that's right. He is in this. Yeah. God damn it. That's right. I forgot. All right. So what do you guys expect next week when we go back to Batman and we're leading up throughout this course of this year to the Batman? I remember this getting released. I remember the big thing about it. We we are going to talk about it next week. But what do, what are you guys expecting going into Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice from Batman's point of view.
1: I think we're probably going to have some arguments over some depictions of, of Superman and uh, whether or not we like what Snyder's done with them. I have a feeling we're going to see some um, some animated and uh, some super punchy discussions as to how oh. some of this story-wise plays out and if it's you know laying the ground in the way of Marvel did or DC just Rushing headlong into hmm. the cluster world of Snyder.
3: So, I have, I have two points I want to make. Number one, no matter what we say, we're going to piss somebody yeah. off. Because this, For movie, sure. it, this movie is, to quote Spock, it is a it is a, uh, a Kobayashi, Kobayashi Maru, it is a no win scenario. If you champion Batman v Superman, you're a Snyder cultist. Derived that Batman v Superman, you think it is the worst thing in the history of man. And Zack Snyder should be tried for war (laughs) crimes. I don't think I've ever seen a superhero movie when it comes to the discourse for a movie that does not have the best Rotten Tomatoes score. I think the fan base reflects it much more. It is as much of a 50 50 split as you, as you will find. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that makes great conversation. Uh, I'm looking forward to us talking about it. And I will say when I went to go see the theater, it was a dark and rainy day, which is befitting for a Zack Snyder film. (laughs) I remember when it was done. Or I should say, actually twofold. We were standing in line going to see it. And the reviews were already out. Like, this thing got lambasted. I said, as long as it's entertaining, as long as there's some things I like, I will, I, I will be forgiving. And when the movie was done, when, when the lights came up, I said, I had some problems, but I don't think this is the worst thing in the history of mankind. Do I still feel that way six years later? Cause we've, we've had a lot of Batman come out since then. And we've had some interesting developments come out of Warner Brothers, to say oh, yeah. the very least. <laughs> so I think this is—it's going to be a very—it's going to be a very spirited discussion, which I think is very—it's very fitting, not just for us, but for the the content that the movie illustrates on screen.
2: All right, so that'll be Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice next week, boys. I've had a good time talking about these three films. Yes, even those first two films, as dreary as they were to get through watching them, at least we had some pretty good discussions afterwards. So thank you guys, and thanks to everybody who has supported us at net. Be sure to check us out on any streaming platform that Nate has done such a good job of getting us on. We're on Spotify. We're, we're on uh, Amazon Music.
3: Just take your picture. Yeah. basically Any
1: outlet. iTunes, iTunes
3: yeah. Google podcast. Yep. Ethan's done an unbelievable job as have the people that have followed us from binge. Um, I, I think it's been a real blessing that we've been able to continue what we did. And we've had so many people cross crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got some good messages. Garrett's gotten some good ones and it's been, it's been a lot of fun getting to do this on a consistent basis. And, you know, much like last year, my life's going to be changing yet again. Uh, so I'll probably be a little bit dark, which again is Zack Dark? The
0: Snyder movie. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so if you don't hear from me within the next, like, a month from now, Christian and I are doubling down. He's the Robin to my Batman, and we can. Or he's more of my Alfred, because <laughs> he calls me out shit. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're excited. Things with the site's going great, and, uh, we couldn't be more excited to. Once this year ends, announce what our slate is oh. for next year. It's already done. Yes. We have already, oh. uh, we have planned out as far as we have in almost the 10 years we've been doing this, Garrett. So everything's already decided. We tweaked it based on some recent announcements. But to say we're doing heavy hitters next year is the understatement of the century. Oh. Like saying, uh, you will be frothing at the mouth faster than you could say Martha. <laughs>
2: Well, we've already given away that we are doing Star Wars, and those shows in and in of themselves are just going to be tremendous. I already know with lots of discussions that may uh, may may cause some um, some broken things at the apartment i live at right now so keep your (laughs) and a whole bunch of other things and we'll announce that towards the end of the year but uh you know matt's new situation it's going to affect us a little bit but not much because we are going to record a whole bunch in advance so that we can give matt time to get to uh get to know his uh new it's a boy right
3: yeah so speaking of star wars his name will be harrison there you go because, you know, my, my Riker, Star Trek, so we we have to hit the other side. And for the record, Star Wars will not be the only Harrison property we cover next no, year. No, it won't. Ooh. Yes, yes, leave that out. Because I, yeah. I can't wait to talk about Eight Days, Seven Nights. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Six Days, Seven Nights.
3: Oh well, No, uh, What Lies Beneath, that's there what you know. Know. At one, at What Lies Beneath
1: Retro is going to be yeah, It's going to be amazing.
2: All right, but, yeah, Maybe
3: so to to
2: help accommodate Matt and help him fall into the being the father of two boys not just one uh, we are going to record a bunch in advance so stay uh, just keep on we'll, we'll keep on having shows come out every Friday that's our pitch to you guys and that's us making sure that it gets done and I am very very focused on getting that done i have been up at all hours of the night making sure they are and uh, it's it's a joy to do because we have gotten some major good feedback so thanks to everybody out there so until next week when we cover batman v superman donna justice why do i podcast because you all think that i can't thanks boys <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Three Men and a Retrospective Podcast.
0: You alright? If you want to talk.
1: Join us next week for an entirely new review.
0: I've never seen anything like it.
1: For Matt and Garrett's thoughts on the rest of the Predator franchise, please head on over to Binge Media and go to the Binge Aftertaste tab. Better save some for me. The Three Men and a Retrospective podcast is produced by Garrett, Matt, Adam, and Nathan.
0: Now we move as a team and we're done for the day.
1: Edited by Garrett.
0: One are the lights going back on
1: voiceovers by Adam.
0: So, uh, how do we get in?
1: The Three Men in a Retrospective Podcast is full review and discussion, and all clips, music, and audio cues are used as such.
0: You two look pretty shaken up. see you tomorrow
2: Adam as the major I guess we could call him fanboy of this series at least well the predator series not the two movies that we reviewed previous weeks you must have heard the buzz what were you feeling going in oh Christ how long have you been (laughs) holding that fucking joke in (laughs) <laughs> that is just going to be a blooper, by the way. You're not even getting that on the real air. so. I
1: know. I know. You're welcome. <laughs> <to> I'm <Christ. sighs> um, sorry. All right. Um, I don't hate it. I think by doing it, you're able to set your own world that way. Um, sorry. <clears throat> um
2: So, she starts running after her horse, and she hears her dog that's whining, and then we see that the dog has literally run into a trap. Now, Rue looks up and sees a massive ship starting to land, and then we're meeting Tabla? Is that his name? Tabla?
3: Oh, God. Don't ask me to pronounce these names. I'm, I'm her brother. Yeah, her brother like there is no way I can pronounce these All right. you know, her brother do that because right. they're the only
1: two that you're going to need to matter is Naru and her brother
2: <laughs> gotcha
3: alright thank you
1: sir
2: <laughs> they find another Comanche as she rescues him and Nauru, she questions why oh god Puhi Puhai oh my god she questions why this guy is still alive
0: <laughs> mhm <laughs>
3: that's a killer moment
2: the rest of the uh, try go uh, ahead go ahead
3: Caprio should have taken notes for the revenant
2: matt (laughs) matt can you please say that line again because i stepped on it go
3: ahead it reminded me this was a better remake of the revenant You sound really frustrated. I am, because when this movie works, I think it works very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it keeps. I, I feel like th- there's a South Park episode where, where Mr. Garrick. And I don't just say that because I've been in a real South Park mood lately showing Christian because he's never seen a single episode. Um yeah, it's Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And seeing I've never seen his eyes that big in a long time outside of the first time I took my pants off. But. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there, there's an episode where I've had like three beers, everybody, so I'm just. <laughs> and I'm also counting down the days until I lose my sanity.
0: Yeah. So. <sighs>